Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and we've got a very special episode to you for you today, and it's brought to you once again by our good friends at Props.Cash. You guys know those red charts, those green charts. You know the hit rates. You know that we use those every single day, especially when we're betting on props. You can use it for uh, different analysis. You can use it for projections. You can see how the matchup is, how other players have fared in a similar matchup, uh, and you can get that all for 25% off with your first month with code Delara 25 you can absolutely become a better player prop better especially as we transition from NFL season for a lot of you to maybe being NBA focused for the rest of the season so it's one of those tools if you're going to be using it every single day because the NBA plays every single day uh, so you guys are going to want to check that out but we've got a very special guest for you today obviously we have producer Corey in studio but we have prop that guy we have Doug how you doing man it's a pleasure to have you on i'm excited to do this episode what's up joe thanks for having me appreciate it big fan big fan and uh ready to talk some hoops yeah dude it's gonna be a blast so i know um a lot of people i'm sure because like everybody you know like before we kind of get into talking hoops and like talk some of our best bets i think that you know i always see you you got the logo on twitter like i know you've been like one of those like the ogs basically like putting out picks um and like, i think it's nice that like all of your contents really like it's just out there like when you put out a bet like it's out there so um you're not a you're not a paywall guy which is kind of nice so uh i do think you know it's, it's kind of interesting because it's like how did you how did you wind up getting started in the space i think that it's you know like how did you decide you were just like i'm good at this i'm gonna start tweeting about it or like what how did it work, kind of work out yeah you know i always laugh when people call me an og in this space i think it's only <laughs> been four years which i mean it does feel like a long time but you know yeah. four years isn't that relative to anything else not that long of a time but yeah you know how i got started um you know i've really it's been a very long time for how I've kind of refined my overall process. I mean, way back when I was betting spreads, I was betting totals. And I realized that, Hey, I love props. I just, I genuinely like them better. I like watching those bets play out more than I like watching spreads and totals. Um, and then I also just found that I'm better at it. Um, I think there's, you know, there's definitely more edges with props, you know, spreads and totals. Those are looked at with the most scrutiny by sports books and, Props are too now because they're super popular, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you could always find an edge, especially, you know, when there's just so many props available. Um, but yeah, you know, I was just a guy on Twitter like everyone else way back in, you know, 2019 and I was looking around, I was following some bigger accounts and they're really just, you know, just like putting out plays with no rationale and pumping themselves <laughs> up when they win and not saying yeah. anything when they lose and not being transparent and all that. So, and I said to myself, like, you know what? I think I could, I think I can make a name for myself doing this. I think I could tweet out some plays and actually give people a rationale. And I'm not seeing too many people just focusing on props. So that's kind of how prop that guy was born. That's awesome. It's quite yeah. the birth there and we didn't need a stork <laughs> or anything. So not right. bad, but it is, it is a cool start. And I think that, you know, it's definitely like one of those like niche areas, but now it's like you said, it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Um, like when you come in and like you look at this, like with, from a process perspective, like what's your, what background are you? Like, what do you bring? Like, what are you bringing in? Cause like I'm a lawyer, producer Corey's a lawyer, which is like not really like a math oriented thing, right? Like maybe I can write, but uh, it's not a math thing. So like what kind of background are you bringing in that kind of gives you like a unique edge or a unique view on the way that you look at bets and the way that you approach betting? 
Yeah. So I, I'm a numbers guy through and through. I work in, you know, without getting into too much detail, I work in corporate finance. I'm in, I'm in Excel all day for, for my, my real job for this, mm-hmm. you know, for everything. Um, you know, I even have, you know, our, my, my house budget set up in Excel, like I'm in Excel all day, every day. And I love it. I, I love it. I'm one of those nerds who I, I, I love looking at stats. I love looking at numbers. I love dumping data into Excel and toggling through to find trends and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think I do have a keen eye for figuring out, you know, trends and seeing, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just in general, like, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I was looking at the box scores and the newspaper propped up on my cereal bo- box, whatever I was eating that morning. So like, I just, I love stats, man. I love numbers. No, I th- and I think that that's huge, right? Because like, it gives you like a real analytical approach. It's not like, Oh, like I, I just feel this way. So, mm-hmm. and it's like if you like, I don't know what you what your favorite sport to cap is, but like I like I love watching basketball. So, like I think to me, it's the easiest sport for me to cap. Um, do you have like a favorite one that that you like, or like even a favorite league? Because I know basketball. I know you do college. You do NBA. Is there like a favorite spot or a favorite sport that you really like to cap? Yeah, I mean basketball is my favorite sport. Like in general, I'll still play it, love it. Um, and in terms of capping it, I mean, I love betting every day, man. I love the thrill of it. So when yeah. we're in like the middle in the grind of the NBA season, I know, you know, I know there's highs and lows, but I would definitely say, still say NBA is definitely my favorite. Yeah, hell yeah. So yeah. I and I think yeah. that it's it's so important, right, with NBA to like you have so much information, you have so many games and like there's so much stuff that you can kind of pour over and like everybody kind of uses like different different tools or different things. And like I know that you mentioned that you're a numbers guy, you like to kind of dump everything into your own stuff. And I noticed like when you put out plays, which is different than what some other people do, you know, a lot of times you'll say like, I have this closer to X or, you know, like I, like I would take this to a particular number. Like, tell me about that. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, is it something that you're coming up with like yourself or using, are you kind of like aggregating or like, is it, is it something that like an, you know, is it just something that you're, you're like, I don't know how to, it's kind of obnoxious to explain it on a word by word basis, but you know, it's like, look, this is my background process. Like, trust me, I'm, I'm the numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look, I'm not, pin- I'm not just like throwing out darts with the numbers. Like I do have a very yeah. baseline projection process that I go through, but it's not something that I personally swear by. So I'll do the projections. I'll kind of try to identify a play first uh, based on trends and what splits I'm looking at and trying to weight different splits more than others. I mean, as you know, you know, that's kind of all NBA is, is trying to figure out what splits matter in every single matchup that we're looking at. Um, And then at the end, you know, just to do you know, just to kind of give myself some sort of sanity check, I'll do a very baseline baseline uh, projection for the game just to make sure that like I'm not out of whack in terms of the math on it when I'm comparing yeah. it to the analytical trend, if that makes sense. No, that that totally makes sense. Because I mean, I think it's one of those things like if you're looking at it even just like loosely and you're like, well, there's this many proje- possessions, they have this type of usage, like this is kind of what they average, like this is the pace they normally play at. Mm-hmm. Those are all tools and like things that you can kind of look at. And it's like, all right, like I understand why this play like is hitting so much or it's not hitting so much. And like, but in this particular matchup, I do like it. Um, what a... Like, I guess, like, my question, too, is honestly, like, I can only cap NBA. Like, when I cap it, I, it's like, that's the only thing that I can focus on. Because um, I'm like, that's like, I'm ingrained in it. Like, uh, that's all I'm thinking about. And it's just like, you know, uh, like, 
sometimes like at, the, at different points of the season, like I can take some time and be like, at the beginning of the year, I can look at NFL because there's not NBA. Or like in the summer, I can look at pitcher props. Like, how do you, <laughs> I don't understand how you juggle them all. Cause like I see you like firing stuff off. It's like, it'll be NFL, NBA, college basketball on the same day. Like, how do you, how do you do it? Like when you have all those things going on at the same time? I don't really know, to be honest with you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of time management, man. It, it really is. Um, it's, you know, I mean, look, basketball's every day, but you know, different parts of the year, you know, cyclic, cyclic, cyclically, sorry, that's a tough word to say. Uh, you know, like with mm-hmm. NFL, I know like during the regular season, start checking on Wednesday and Thursday, because that's when the openers are going to start firing out. Um, basketball just look, Every spare chance I get, which isn't as much as you probably would think based on how many plays and, you know, the times that I'm tweeting, but, um, I'm just trying to stay ahead. And, and if I can't, then I can't. And, you know, sometimes it does result in me tweeting out a play two minutes before tip off, which I hate doing, but I'm trying yeah. to stay transparent. And I just want people, I want people to know how I'm betting, what I'm betting and, you know, every day, but it's a lot of time management. It, it's, it's a yeah, lot, dude. it's a lot to stay on top I, like, of everything. <laughs> I feel like when I'm driving a lot of times, like, or like I'm in the shower and like, I'll be like thinking about something or like while I'm waiting online for something and I'll be like, huh, like, I wonder what's going on here. Like I'm thinking about the play or like, I'm thinking about like an angle, you know, it's like, I'll look Mm -hmm. at the slate and be like, these are my matchups. And it's like, huh, like, I think like this might be a good spot for so-and-so. And then like, I can't really dive in front of my computer until later in the day. Uh, like, do you, it's kind of, it sounds kind of fucked up, but like, do you find yourself just like at random points of the day? It's like, I'm just thinking about how, like, some of the angles that I want to attack later. And like, when I do get a chance, like I hope the numbers where I want it to be, because this is kind of the way my brain is thinking right now. For sure, man, for sure. I mean, like, look, when I'm not working, um, my brain, like, you know, it's, it's hard to separate yourself. Sometimes, you know, you're always thinking you want to be ahead and, you know, look, this, betting props is not what it was a few years ago where like, if I'm thinking about a play, I'm not really worried about the line moving. Like I'm, you know, I'm chilling, but like if there's an edge out there, someone's going to find it. So if you think you found an edge, you kind of got to get it out and (laughs) maybe you're not by your computer. It it does get tough, but um, that's kind of what I love it. That's kind of why I love it. There's just a huge rush and um, you know, it's, it's a competitive space, not with each other, but just to like, you know, identify that edge before the, you know, the prop gets priced out. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of like a rush. Like if you tweet out a play or you post a play in the action app and then like you got it at minus minus one ten, and then three seconds later, it's like minus minus one fifty, And you're like, this is, it's like, it's kind of, it kind of feels cool that like you have like a certain degree of influence to be able to do that. But then at the same time, like I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, it like the play it's like you had to have my notifications on otherwise you just did not get that play like it just got totally new yeah um so you know i struggle with it from a content perspective and you know you do too i think uh like unless you're betting on a superstar if you're betting on a role player and you give out a prop like that thing is gone it's good like the second you hit send it's done it's like it's Mm -hmm. absolutely cooked um do you like do you really worry about it too much? Like in terms of like a content thing, or are you really just like, look, these are the best plays I'm going to give them out. Uh, I hope you can get the line, but otherwise like, you know, like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, sometimes you can't get them all. I try to be as user-friendly as possible. So as much as I'd like 
to like have the mindset that you just said where like I'm just like kind of just sending it off to the editors and and just kind of chilling and whatever the lines are when I post or are the lines that's not that's that's not me I'm trying I'm trying to you know to to help people and I want people to if they like the play that I put out and they like my analysis I want them to be able to tell so um I mean you know, it, it does get very dicey from a content perspective when you're, you know, publishing props because, you know, when, when, when the content's out of my hands and with the editors, I'm like, just checking the phone, I'm tech checking draftings, I'm refreshing, I'm making sure that line is not changing substantially. And the editors yeah. are fantastic and they're working as quick as they can. And I know they are, but sometimes like, there's just nothing we can do. So I, yeah, I, like I, it's tough, man. Yeah. And you're good about it too. Cause I know like a lot of times you'll post like, this is widely available or I'm on FanDuel, I'm on DraftKings. And I think that, you know, like you're following so big, like I think that that does actually make a difference because just the way the computer algorithms are like, I don't, I always think about it. It's like funny because people look at it and they're like, Oh, like this was super sharp. Like you moved the line. I think a lot of times like, yeah, like it is, you are being sharp, but at a certain point, it's like the books have liability. Like it's all, it's all automated. So it's like, if you have a shitload of action on one prop, like it's going to get either taken down, it's going to be like, they're going to move it because they have to. Um, do you like, are there ever times where you're like, you you know, it's like where you're modeling it and you're like, well, my margins thin or, you know, like I, like you can't really take it past this point. Um, and I, like, it's something I try to talk to the followers about too. And I'm like, look, if I bet it at minus 110 and I give it out at minus 110 and the line moves to minus 150 or like it changes from like seven and a half to eight and a half, like a lot of times I'm like, it's not the same bet, especially. And I, and I think the part is like, especially when the juice moves, um, because like, I always look at the implied probability of it. Um, like how much do you like factor that in? Like, I guess like when you're betting on it, it's like, look, like I like the hit rate, but at this number, it's just, it's no good anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, no, it's a big part. It really is. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with higher quantities like uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander points, which is, you know, in the low thirties, it, it, it's yeah. different. Like, you know, a play at 30 and a half for me is usually also a play at 31 and a half. Um, yeah. But like you said, like, uh, you know, for example, last weekend with Lamar Jackson's rush attempts, which did not work out well for me, but I got it at nine and a half and immediately moved to 10 and a half. And people were like, do you like it at 10 and a half? Like, I want to say yes, but I don't, I just, yeah. if the line opened at 10 and a half, it wouldn't have been a play for me because the jump between nine and a half and 10 and a half is huge. Um, it's yeah. 11%. So it, it gets tough when, you know, when these lines move like that, especially the lower quantities, um, strikeout yeah. props, especially, you know, it's the same thing. Cause when you have low quantities, like the juice in the line really does matter a lot more than, you know, a Shea Gil Gilgis Alexander points prop. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, yeah. and I think that that's always one of the things that's like hard for people to like understand or like kind of comprehend because it's just like that one, the moving the one stat is really significant, but then like people kind of forget it's like moving the juice does matter because like you have to hit this then way more often than I have to hit it at minus one ten if you're hitting it at minus one fifty. Um, and I noticed one of the ways that you have started, you've done it like a little bit um, throughout like different seasons. Uh, like you'll do some like little same game parlays I've noticed. So it's like, you'll do a guy for the like, instead of their line being like 15 points, you'll get them to like 12. And then you'll say like, and then somebody else's rebounds. What's your like process with doing that? I don't, I don't personally do that a lot. Um, but I understand the value in it. Uh, what's your process for like crafting those basically? 
That's it's a great question. And you know, it's fine. I laugh every time someone asks me about parlays because I was like Mr. Anti Parlay, Mr. Mr. Yeah. Straight prop that guy for forever. And then I started diving in. I was like, oh, there, there could be some value here. Um, but look, you know, when you project a game, it, it's not just one projection, really. I mean, you should look at it as a range of projections over, you know, a thousand, a million, however many times you run the quote unquote simulation. Um, and there are some times where I think if a guy's line is say, you know, Jared Allen to score 17 points, well, you know what, that's not a play for me, but more often than not, I do have him getting to 14 or 15 points and I do have him getting to 10 rebounds, but I don't have him getting to the 13 or 12 rebounds that his initial line has. So I do sometimes think there's value and it's based on how, you know, each book prices those tranches, um, you know, I have a value that I come up with for for these little two leg parlays that I do. And if the books, you know, if the books are giving me a better price, then I'll usually fire on it. Um, so it's not necessarily like if I play Jared Allen, you know, to score 14 points and get 10 rebounds, it doesn't necessarily mean that I like his straight point line of 16 and a half or a straight rebound line of 11 and a half. Like I play those for a reason. I'm not just, you know, dummying down the line because it looks better, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And I think. No, I think that's that's a fucking great point because Mm -hmm. you see it all the time. Like uh, you see a lot of ladder challenges. You see a lot of builder, like quote unquote builders. And like, I hate them because like, I don't think they're either a like correlated. I think that there used to be times like with the same game parlays when they first came out, especially like a lot of times you were getting, you could create a correlated parlay and it wasn't, the lines weren't like a, adjusting for the fact that it was correlated so it was like if i liked somebody's assist and i noticed that like that person's assist like always assisted to a particular player and i wanted to bet that player's points at like lower numbers like that like that could be an angle but um like and i feel like those weren't being factored in but i think that now like especially if you're picking plays from like random games and you're like well like so and so is going to score 20 points and then this guy's going to score uh 15 points and this guy's going to get four rebounds and this guy's going to get six assists it's like you kind of get way out of line with just exactly how much like the variability can be um in those things and like when you start adding more and more more plays like you start adding more variance like there's more potential for injury or like anything um so i think that at least with the two-leg parlay it kind of sounds like you've been able to target it in a particular way where it's like look i like i understand that there's more variance in a way because there's two different props but when i run my models it's hitting at a much higher clip than the way it's being priced exactly yeah and you know a lot of that is is with the nba specifically is is blowouts you know sometimes i'm get giving a line that i think a guy can hit in three quarters you know to save us from not needing a fourth quarter if it is a blowout and as we know, blowouts are everyone's favorites, you know, favorite thing in the NBA, especially, you know, this, this is blowout season right before the all-star break yeah. teams are starting to pack it in a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, 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 you hit it right on the head. Uh, it's, it's kind of phasing and, and looking at it from that perspective, as opposed from just the straight line. All right. Awesome. So with that, let's, uh, let's kind of get into what we're looking at for the Wednesday NBA slate. We got a bunch of like really good games. Um, I think that honestly, one of the games that I'm most interested in right now, uh, from a betting perspective, there's a couple we got, uh, and I'll start with the Kings and the heat. Cause it just comes earlier in the day. So I'll do it first. Um, the Kings are one point road underdogs in Miami. Um, and it's, this is a, pre- I think this is a pretty good game. I think that there are two teams that are 
interestingly rated in the league, right? Like I think that uh, both teams are somehow both underrated and overrated, like simultaneously a lot of the times. And it's like a weird thing to balance. But um, I do think that like this line seems to be moving around a little bit. Uh, there's the Kings are underdogs on one site. They're, they're favorites on another site. Um, so I think that with when you're looking at the line you're like this shouldn't be a blowout but you know like you never really know um is there a particular matchup you know in this game that you think is interesting or compelling uh that you might want to tackle from like a player prop perspective uh you know like we have fox we have bam we have sabonis we have hero we have rosier now uh and jimmy butler yeah i think you know two come to mind one would be fox is under uh you know i think right now what is it we got 25 and a half 25 and a half. Yeah. I think that could get tempting if maybe one book hangs at 26 and a half. I know he's averaging like 27. So it it does like organically seem too low for him, but pick and roll against bam. I mean, I don't know if you really need to say more. That's a tough matchup and their rotations really align. They both come out midway through the first quarter. They both play the majority of the second quarter, same thing in the second half. Um, you know, Fox, unless he starts raining threes and but his jumper eh, hasn't looked great lately. He's been pretty streaky. So, you know, a road game um, against a team that's going to really want to try to slow the Kings down as much as possible and not let them get out, get into, you know, get out in transition. Um, you know, I'm not not quite there yet, but I'm I'm trying I'm, I'm hoping for 26 and a half. But that might be a play on, on his under. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, I'm with you because like at first I was looking at this, I was like, he's hit this in 67% of games, but like, and like, I know their point of attack defense isn't the best, but I think what your point is like a little bit more nuanced where it's like, yeah, but it, it's not really like, he's not just running at you. Like, he's not just going to shake you on the perimeter. Like it's a lot of pick and roll with Sabonis, which means you're going to get attacked by Bam. Um, and then honestly, like over the last 15 games, kind of like you said, he's only averaging 23.3 points per game. So there's definitely been a downturn recently, whereas like the beginning of the season, he was just automatic on this number. You just couldn't miss. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I definitely I definitely get the appeal there. I I think you're right, though. I think that this is probably a line that's going to get hit by the public, to be honest, um, because you're going to look at it and be like, it's too low, 25 and a half, too low. Um, And then maybe we can get a 26 and a half by the time, you know, this podcast drops by the time you guys listen. Uh, So definitely, definitely an angle. Um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this play that I was looking at, because obviously Terry Rozier got uh, introduced to the Miami Heat within the last week. Um, One of the things, you know, and like everybody's like, well, like that's a lot. It's it's a lot of on ball. It's a lot of usage. Um, It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of offense, obviously, that he can kind of provide how does that impact some of these other guys like bam jimmy but especially in my opinion and you know tyler hero because they do seem to be slightly not i don't want to say redundant but similar in terms of what their skill set is their shot profile like whatever um the play i was looking at and i don't normally like threes but i was looking at tyler hero over three and a half threes uh it's about minus 110 like across the market he's over in four of five with terry rozier He's taken 9, 6, 10, 11, and 12 attempts. So 9.6 per game on 16 total field goal attempts per game. The thing is here, without Rozier, he'd only hit, he'd hit this in 57% of games. So still a good hit rate. Uh, he was averaging 19 field goal attempts. So that's... Uh, so it's about three down, but he's he was not he's actually taking more threes per game now. He's only averaging eight point two. So the proportion's a lot different. He's taking instead of forty three percent of his shots from three point range, he's taking sixty percent of his shots from three point range. 
and he's a 40% shooter from three this season. I have this at about like three. If, if you just applied that, it'd be about 3.88 threes per game. I think that, you know, this spot against Sacramento could be a, like a decent angle for him. Cause I think that Keegan, I feel like Keegan's not going to be on him. Um, that's not like really a matchup for him. Like maybe you're seeing some Barnes, like maybe you're seeing some Herder. Uh, so I do think that this is probably like, a softer matchup for him. Uh, and I know that he made some comments too uh, in the post game last game. He was like, yeah, like I'm doing whatever the team needs me to do. Like I'm taking more threes. Like I'm being a little bit more spot up. Uh, so I, I do really like the angle on trying to bet on something that's new um, in, in the market for Miami. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, you nailed it with, you know, how many threes he's getting up in relation to his total field goal um, attempts. But if you just think about it, you're absolutely right. I mean, they really are. Him and Rogier are redundant in terms of, and not in a bad way, but in terms of they both, you know, are, are primary ball handlers who like to try to break the defender down and get into the paint. So, you know, Kyle Lowry really wasn't that for the Heat. I mean, he would kind of, no. you know, make the first pass and then go either hang in the corner or on the wing and, and, and spot up when he could or maybe get some secondary action. But Rogier's really going to be primary and and they need hero to space the floor because Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy can hit threes, but he doesn't really space the floor. Bam is bam. He's yeah. going to be in the middle. Um, and then, you know, Haywood Highsmith or Jaime Jaquez, like, you know, those guys can shoot, but a hero is really going to be kind of almost like the Duncan Robinson of a few years ago when Duncan pre contract that he got. Um, so I love the play. I think it's a great play. I mean, you know, I do think the Heat are going to try to slow the Kings down, but the Kings play so fast that it is going to be a faster tempo game for the Heat. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like it. I think it's a great look. All right, word. Yeah, no, it's it's just, it's all relative. So, I mean, I guess, and this is a question too, because I, I talked to Prop Bomb about this and we had, and like everybody I think has different strategies, right? On like, do you want to attack uh, like a market early? Um like when there's like when you have less information realistically so like you know when you're looking at some of these props especially with the trade deadline coming up because that's happening soon right february 8th is the trade deadline so uh the next time we drop this episode this podcast is going to be like a day before the trade deadline um in you know for next week's episode but for you like when you're looking at teams that have either just made a move or you know like maybe they traded somebody away or they got somebody do you like to try to attack it early based on like what your thoughts are going to be on like the market or do you are you kind of like in the i i want to see like i need to see what's happening here um before i try to make a decision i'm usually more of an attack early type of guy i mean i played og's point prop his first game as a nick it did not Hell work yeah. or maybe it was the second game i don't <laughs> I think, think it worked out game, very well yeah. Um, I don't think it worked out very well, but it was a good spot up opportunity for him. And regardless, you know, I think, you know, look, the more data the books get, the sharper the lines are going to get, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as we, you know, trudge on through the season. I I love the beginning of the season with the NBA where you're seeing new, you know, guys in new roles and whatnot. So I think that applies to the trade deadline too, when you get, especially like if star players or like legitimate role players start to get moved, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more of an attack type guy, but I mean, there are some instances where like I might be unsure, so I'm not going to force any action. I might want to wait and see, but um, it's going to be super interesting. I mean, I'm excited to see what happens this trade deadline. It's, I mean, I think more often than not, it's a bit of a letdown, but I do I do think we'll see some action this time around. I do too, and and we'll yeah. kind of get to the trade deadline a little bit later in the episode too. Um, but I do I did want to get your thoughts on that, just relevant to this play. Um, a couple other games that are I think are really fascinating on this slate. Uh, we've got um, 
Denver versus Oklahoma City. I personally don't have a play for this yet. Uh, we don't have props out for it yet. Um, but the spread is set right now at Denver plus two on the road. Little, I, like My initial gut is I'm surprised by this. Um, I do think that it's kind of an interesting schedule spot for Denver. Um, it's not a back-to-back. They're just, they're just on the road. Um, but I do always wonder right like in this type of spot it's like does denver care you know like do they really care or is this more of a game for oklahoma city do you have a thought like on the game or like a matchup that you might like be thinking about even though we don't have any props out for this one yet i i I think denver is still the best team in the league but oklahoma city has been like a dynamite force during the regular season yeah well i think you know the first thing we got to point out is i'm pretty sure jalen williams was already ruled out for tomorrow so that's pretty big for the thunder um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who plays because he's really ascended lately. He's really good. Um, he's really he's good. Been, yeah, he's one of my favorite players of the season, if not my favorite player to watch. And and I mean, he should be in the most improved conversation for sure. Regardless, um, it's going to be interesting to see who plays second fiddle because Denver does have the pieces to I mean, no one can slow down Shea, but I mean, they have KCP. They even maybe even Aaron, you might even see Aaron Gordon on him a little bit. Um, they could potentially slow him down. And I mean, you know, Chet has shown obvious flashes. I mean, he's a great player, but that's a tough matchup against Jokic where he's going to have Brutal. to be defending him on the other side. It's I don't know. Who do you think? I mean, who do you think tomorrow is going to be the is this a Josh Giddy game? Uh, is this a, is a Joe <laughs> game? Is this a Case and Wallace game? It, there's just so many players on the Thunder. It's hard to kind of pick this rotation Pinpoint. apart. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you there, and I th- I think that you're right. Like you're, and what I noticed watching Shea in a couple other matchups is like he's really good. But when there were a couple teams that threw like some doubles at him, some traps at him, and he still can navigate it, but it's it's definitely like a stressful look for him. And I think it's kind of one of those things where you see, I, like I don't think Denver's going to go out of their way to throw like too many things that they might throw at him in a playoff matchup. But I think there might be some possessions like here and there where they're like, let's try to throw like somebody weird on him let's put mpj on him and see what happens uh and then like leave gordon behind like in help or something like that or somebody is a floater like let's just see like what happens here or like can we trap him can we do this and just to kind of see what works um i i think that it's going to be even more magnified essentially without jalen williams because he is such a good like outlet and chet like as good as he is he's not he's not a primary scorer. Like he's just, he's clearly not that like he is a tertiary scorer, secondary scorer at best, uh, at least at this point in his career, which is still, he's still incredible, but like it's not a knock on him, but it's just, that's not where he is in his career. So for me, like when I look at this, I know Jokic is questionable for this game uh, with some lower back pain. So I think that's kind of where, where I'd spread is the way that it is. Denver's so good. Like Denver's so good. I, I I struggle to see them dropping this game if Jokic plays, especially given, like you said, like with Jalen Williams being out. Yeah, I I like I just think it's you know that's it's a pretty significant injury that I think is being underrated in the way that the spread seems to be moving or the way that the spread is kind of listed right now. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't act on this game before knowing, you know, whether Jokic is playing or not, but I mean, the way Jamal Murray's playing, like, I'm with you, man. I think Denver's the best team in the NBA. There's no reason not – they shouldn't be right now. They're the reigning champs, and they're – I mean, besides Bruce Brown, they're the same team as last year, and, and they look great. But, you know, I think you kind of hit it on the head in the beginning. It's a question of motive. Like, do do they care about this game? I, I don't know if they do. 
it's it's it's, yeah. it's a good point, and that's just something we always have to weigh when we're when we're looking at you know betting these games and betting props. Yeah, for sure, and and I think that that's the thing too. It's like I think if Jokic plays, like we'll know. It's like all right, they're trying. Like they're gonna they're gonna give it a go here. Um, and I think especially the way it's really crazy because the way the standings are, um, you know, all those teams are in the same division. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Nuggets, and the Thunder are one, two, three in the West, and they're all in the same division. So it does to me like I do think that maybe okay or maybe Denver does decide they're like you know what we do want to play this game because we want home court in the playoffs and this kind of could matter for that situation so it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm going to keep monitoring and you know maybe maybe I'll have some plays for this game in terms of the prop market um but one other game that I definitely do have some props for and I think is interesting is the Pelicans versus the Houston Rockets uh this is a game where the the Rockets started off the season like so strong um and they've kind of faltered lately and so have the Pelicans as well the Pelicans are still in eighth they're 26 and 21 they've lost three in a row though Houston, they started off so good, but they're down all the way now to 22 and 24. They're sitting in 11th in the Western Conference, so they're out of the play-in tournament. Um, And it's definitely an interesting spot as well. Uh, They're at home, and their home road splits have been so significant. They're 16 or they're 17 and eight at home compared to five and 16 on the road. Um, Whereas New Orleans has been pretty even uh, on both on both the road and at home. Uh, right now we're looking at a two point spread. The Rockets are two and a half point underdogs. Um, I'm, I'm interested about this matchup. I think that there's a really compelling matchup between uh, Sangoon and uh, Zion Williamson. Is there anything from this game that you think you might find some interest in? Can I just say that the Pelicans are my least favorite team to bet on props. And let me I hate tell you them. why. I hate them. You know why? Well, A, them. because they have three guys who could go off any given night, maybe even four if you want to count a guy like Trey Murphy. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas never starts the second half anymore. If I get one more underdog notification that says Larry Nance has started the second half over Jonas <laughs> Valanciunas. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And they don't play close games. It's wild. They either win by a lot or they lose by a lot. It is just absolutely wild. And their bench is good enough that they don't need to play their starters. And they don't want to, you know, risk injury to Ingram and Zion. So, man, it's tough. But that being said, I think this is an under situation. I mean, I think people look at these teams and see a lot of big names. But at the same time... um, it, it, I, I, I do kind of lean to the under. I mean, I, I don't have a specific guy, maybe a Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram. He just, he's coming off a big game, but now he's going to have to deal with Dylan Brooks, which just does not seem like a good yeah. time for anyone. Um, and you know, it, it, it's tough. I think, I think Zion, it's probably a better game for him. I know the Pelicans interior defense is good, but I don't think the Rockets really have a good matchup for Zion. I mean, Jabari Smith is, is good, but he doesn't have the physicality. He needs to, you know, to hang with Zion when Zion's driving. I don't know. Do you, yeah, do you like, like anything I, specifically? Yeah. I like Zion, honestly, in this game. Um, okay. I like him over 22 and a half points. I think that the Rockets, like it's funny because I know Dylan Brooks is great. I think Dylan Brooks is a very good. Def- well, let's let's temper the word great. Actually, I, I've never tracked that. Um, Dylan Brooks is a, an above average NBA defender. Um, I think that he's. I think that it's interesting because the Rockets' defense. Everybody pointed to the point where they were like, "Oh, Dylan Brooks went out." I think it was really the point because it was the same time Tari Easton went out. And I think that that goes into that interior defense, like you were saying. Um, I think that this is a great matchup for Zion. It gets you... I'm nervous about Valanciunas because he's gotten into foul trouble 
in three consecutive games against Shengun. Uh, so I do think that that could kind of take him off the floor a little bit. Um, Zion's hit this in three games in a row against Shengun, 26, 24, 28 points. The line's at 22 and a half points. Um, two of those three games were with both CJ and Brandon Ingram. So I know we have the other high usage guys on the floor. I think it's just one of those spots where it's like Shengun is really good. Um, I question like his athleticism, if that makes sense. Like, I think he's excellent, but he's not like the biggest dude. He's not the fastest dude. I think he's like, he's like a, I don't, this sounds slanderous, but he's almost like Luca at the center position. Um, like he's, he moves a little bit slower, but he's super skilled. Like he's in that same ilk as like, uh, Sabonis, Jokic, that type of player. Um, I think that this is a really rough matchup against a guy like, Zion who just is going to bang like he's just going to run through you uh whether you're at the five or you know if it's Jabari Smith uh if, if he's trying to defend him I I think this is a game that really does set up for Zion and like you said it's because some of the other matchups for the other guys in the Pelicans are rough but one of the things that you mentioned before it's like I I got into, I got some flack when I put this out on Twitter um it was like since the Harden trade, basically, it was like the Pelicans had the third best net rating in the NBA um, since the Harden trade. And I like saw that and I was like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> like they don't feel that good. Um, but then like I watch them and like sometimes I'm like, this team's the best team in the league. And then other times I like watch them and I'm like, I, I just don't I don't understand like these pieces. They don't fit right. Like they don't fit together. Do, do you think that with the thing with the Pelicans is the fact that they don't really have a real point guard? Because to me, I like look at them and I'm like, I feel like it gets like, especially in close games, like whenever it's a close game, like late, I don't trust them at all because I have no idea who's going to like how you're going to get the ball to your best players. And like, I don't want to like overvalue the point guard position because I think Ingram can obviously get his own shot. CJ can get his own shot. But I think that sometimes like they get into that like Celtics-y, like ISO ball, like I'm going to play hero ball. And like Zion, he can handle the ball, he can distribute, but like he's not somebody that you're going to inbound it to and be like create offense. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to my point. They don't play close games. Like we don't know who, you know, at times who their go-to guy is going to be. I mean, I think you can get away. I think this team is good enough to get away with not having like that true point guard. And I think CJ can be that guy for them potentially. Um, but I do think that when it comes down to it, the ball needs to be in Brandon Ingram's hands. Um, I yeah. think he's, he's their best player. He's the one who could create shots. He could score at all three levels um, and he could facilitate. I think the next the step the evolution for this team is to see him take that step because he's kind of pulled back a little bit since like you know the three of him Zion and CJ have like all been playing together on a consistent basis. He'll have his moments, but um, you know I, I think like over his last like fifteen games he's sub twenty points. He should be a twenty point guy for this team. Um, and a lot of that again is he doesn't play the fourth quarter in these blowouts, but at the same time, you know, this, this team's young and I think they need some experience with these close games and it's going to be interesting to see like who is that guy for them. Um, yeah, it was, I'm definitely you know, fascinated to see, especially yeah. as we cut close to the playoffs. Cause it's like, they're going to yeah. have to play close games. Like there's just no yeah, way around. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one more like tighter game that I wanted to touch on. And that game is, well, actually it's not going to be a tight game, but I just have a prop from it that I like. And it's the, uh, the Clippers versus the wizards. Um, Paul George over six and a half rebounds in assists. I think is the, one of the craziest lines I've seen. Uh, it's minus 
Uh, it's minus 135 at Bet365. You can get it as high, like minus 140, minus 145, depending on your book right now. He's averaging nine. He's hit this in 84% of games, and the Wizards play fast. Like, am I missing something? Like, am I like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, what is this line? I had to pull up DraftKings just to like see it for myself. <laughs> I, it, it's just a weird line. I mean, I guess the blowout risk and maybe they take down his minutes. That's kind of embedded in this line. But I mean, still, he hits this. He could hit this easily in three quarters. And it's the yeah. Wizards. They play fast. They're terrible defensively. Everyone on the on the uh, on the Clippers is going to have a plus matchup. So if you know when when PG passes the ball, that guy's going to immediately be in position to score. It's yeah, it's crazy line, man. I mean that that's that's there's great value there. Banana lands, banana lands. Uh, yeah. Do you like anything from this game? Like you said, it's a really soft matchup for the Clippers. Um, Wizards have been fucking ass. So <laughs> yeah, the Wizards are not good. Um, I I mean I I want to say Harden. Uh, I think points and assists right now you can probably get. I think you could get a twenty seven and a half. I'm not firing just yet. Yeah, 27 and a half at minus 105. Um, I mean, I just think this is a game coming off a game where I actually faded him on his points and rebounds line versus the Cavs because of their pick and roll yeah. defense. Great uh, call. The Wizards are on the opposite of, of that spectrum. So, I mean, I think this is a great game for Harden to kind of go wild. And, um, he, you know, he he plays the beginning. He plays usually the whole fourth quarter. I don't know if they'll need him for the whole fourth quarter, but um, – you know, I mean, as as good as the Clippers are, I'm assuming he'll start the fourth quarter unless they're up by like 25, which I don't know, man. It's the Wizards. I got to go through this one a little bit more, but I think Harden's in a great spot to produce. Yeah, I know he's hit this line in four of his last four games, all four of his last four games against the Wizards over the last two seasons. Um, all those are from last season, so it's slightly different, obviously, uh, given the team and everything, team context, whatever. But that was realistically dealing with Joel Embiid dropping like 50 every game against the Wizards. So uh, I, I would imagine that he can he can get some usage here too. So I, I think it's I think Mason Plumlee's dropping 50 tomorrow, but maybe. No, never know. not not, a, not <laughs> at all. Um, one, one game that's going to be... I, it could be a bloodbath is the Timberwolves versus the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Luca is out. Uh, I think Kyrie Irving has been rolled out. Derek Lively also out Dante Exum doubtful Derek Jones jr. Doubtful. When you, when you look at a game like that, what do you like? What number one, like you're just like, okay, Minnesota is going to win um, or they should win. But, where does like your brain go like when you're like looking you're like can I bet something on this like is that a spot that you because it's like it's not a I don't want to call it like beginning of the season or something like that but it does remind you of some of those games where there's like massive load management and you're like somebody's gonna score I, it's just a matter of like how are we gonna get there is that is is do you think that this is a game that you might target uh, like tomorrow? Um, when you're kind of looking at it, we don't have it. There's really no props out for uh, for Dallas players right now. They only have props out for Minnesota, like Gobert, Towns, McDaniels, and Ant. Is that a game where you might look at it and be like, I think I can try to find some real value on one of the Dallas Mavericks? Yes, yes and no. I mean, it's always going to depend on the numbers that get thrown out. But True. you know, my where where my head goes immediately is, Who's going to get minutes regardless of if it's a blowout? So like a Tim Hardaway Jr., I don't think he's at risk of missing no. this game. He could get up 30 shots in this game, but he also, if if this game gets out of hand, which probably will, um, he probably will be sitting the majority of the fourth quarter, if not the whole fourth quarter. 
but a guy like Jaden Hardy, who likes to shoot a lot, it's a terrible matchup for him and for every, anyone pretty much on Anybody, Dallas, but yeah. he, he might just be a guy who Jason Kidd says, Hey, this is your game. Like we got nobody. We need someone to score, go out there, do what you got to do. We've seen him get up 20, 25 shots and, and those load management type situations before. So it's usually like, I'm trying to figure out like who are like the young guys that maybe the coach is just going to ride and, you know, give them that like, you know, game experience, no matter what the score is. Yeah, no, that's that's the way I look at it, and I think one of the spots that I'm gonna look at, I depends on the state that you're in. It's one of those stupid things, um, but like I like turnovers um, a lot in spots like this because I think that you're getting guys that haven't played a lot, um, or they're playing in a role that's like so expanded that they're just they're not used to it. So it's like it's one thing if you have a guy and it's like, hey, like go create against the second unit um, for a couple minutes every game. Uh, but it's like, hey, you're going to go have to create against Jaden McDaniels, Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, like good luck. Uh, and then when you get into the inside, you're going to get Rudy Gobert. Uh, so it's like it's definitely a tougher it's definitely a tougher spot. So I'll probably be looking out for some turnover props, especially like I think Hardy's is probably going to be good. He's probably going to be like hopefully we get a two and a half. If we get a two and a half, I'm definitely going to hit it. Um, I, it's probably likely. I think we'll probably see like a three and a half, something like that, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll let you, I'll, you know, we'll put it out there. I'll see if there's something that's actionable from that perspective, but love before that. we, I love you know, that angle. right. Like I think turnovers are such a like fun way to attack. Like these guys where you're like, I don't know if they can actually be good enough to score 18 points. Like, yeah, they might shoot the ball 30 times, but I don't know if he's going to hit 20 points. Like, I just don't know if it's going to happen because either the defense is so good or they're just not that good. Um, but it, with turnovers, it kind of is like you're getting this huge opportunity. They're going to be like, you know, even the guys that you're trying to get the ball to aren't as good. So it's like there's so many opportunities for mistakes there. Uh, and that's that's kind of what I like about the turnover prop market. Um, but before we, before we get into pods and recs here, is there any other game on this slate that you think is like interesting at all, or that you had any like final thoughts about? I know like we have the Suns, and the Nets, the magic and the Spurs, um, the Pistons and the Cavs. So like no, no like barn burners there, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those before I switched to switch gears for a second. No, I mean, you know, the Spurs and Magic is interesting because, uh, you know, the Spurs are playing better. They're starting to turn a up better. a little bit. Wembenyama's coming off his minutes restriction a little bit, but like the pieces are starting to gel a little bit. Um, while the Magic, you know, I know they had the early season upswing, but it hasn't really worked as much of late for them. Um, so that could be a close game. It could be, you know, an instance where, you know, some of the Spurs guys who usually don't see the minutes in, in the fourth quarter and the blowout, uh, we could we could take advantage of those. Haven't really dug in yet, but just, you know, it's a game that caught my eye for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think the player that naturally in my mind like pops is Trey Jones. Uh, just I think the ma- the the mesh and the chemistry that he has with Wemby is so good. Um, and with Wemby seeing more minutes, I think, you know, we've seen Wemby's props like increase. But I think that Trey Jones's have lagged like a touch behind. Um, and I think that that might be an angle to kind of attack the Spurs just saying like this offense is going to be this offense is going to be pretty dynamic. I know you were begging for Trey to be starting with Wemby in the beginning of the season. Now that we got it, it's working, man. You were you nailed it. They, I mean, they needed Dude. a real point guard. They needed it, and, yeah. and Trey's been and, good. He's he's been playing real well. Yeah, dude. And that's the thing. Like, he's like a he's a capable point guard. Like, he's good. And like when they traded Dejounte, I was like, oh, like it's because you want to give 
Trey a little bit more like action, a little bit more run, maybe like him, Keldon, like Keldon Vassell, like whatever. And then like you're seeing him, it's like, oh, like he's he's pretty legit. Like he's good. So um, I do I do like the opportunity there, but appreciate the appreciate the remembrance there of me just screaming <laughs> into space. Um, but I did I forgot before we get to um, before we get to pods and Rex, and I asked producer Corey how he's doing. Um, so think about that, Corey. But, uh, but uh, monotone uh, get. Fellow guest of the pod, uh, good friend, good good guy out there. He asked us, "What would be like our ideal Knicks trade package?" So, for those of you that don't know, me and Doug are both huge Knicks fans. Um, who do you think is the player that you most want to be joining the New York Knicks, and who is a player that you're like, "Please don't give this guy to me. Like, I don't want to be attached to this guy." Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think the guy that I want is Dejounte Murray. I don't know how you feel okay. about him. I, I I think I know he wants to probably be the primary point guard, but I do think he would work well next to Jalen and he's just a good Tibbs fit defensively. I mean, he can D up when he wants to. We need someone to run, you know, we need someone to have his minutes staggered with Jalen to run that second unit. Um, so, I mean, you know, Jalen's minutes are just getting like out of control right now and they're going to yeah. continue on that route without Julius. So I kind of like DeJunta and I would give up Grimes and a few, a few mm-hmm. of the first that we have for him. I think he's that piece. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know how you feel about him. I think he's, good i'm quite i think that there are definitely some concerns about his defense right but then when you look at what the knicks have now you're like well actually maybe the defense is like gonna be like he'll be fine because he's playing alongside like trey who sucks obviously defensively um jalen's not the best defensive player but i do think that like when you have like guys like og ananobi josh hart isaiah hartenstein mitchell mitchell robinson even julius randall like when, when he tries the, the defensive like intensity can kind of improve and like that can help. So DeJounte definitely gives you some like ball handling. He can shoot now, like this year he can suddenly shoot threes shooting 40%. But I think that he's an interesting player. Um, the player that like I really wanted is I like Malcolm Brogdon. I think the price shouldn't be that crazy. Um, I think that we know that he's comfortable coming off the bench. He's comfortable playing that six man role. I think there's a lot of lineups where he could close games as well. Um, The contract's really not that crazy. The only concern with him is like, is he literally going to just explode like at any point because his body is just like, an eggshell like for lawyers like we call him an eggshell plaintiff um because he's just like a walking injury so that's that's my concern with malcolm brogdon but i do really like him i think he would be a like an incredible fit in new york with this team Um, i'm I'm a huge brogdon fan i mean i would love that i would absolutely love that i was thinking a little bit more long term because i know dejunta is like on a on a contract contract, for a few years but um I mean, I would be absolutely thrilled with Brogdon. We need we need more. We need another ball handler. We need someone, you know, whether he's coming off the bench or just playing the two, you know, we need someone to to kind of run that second unit. So Brogdon yeah. would definitely be this guy. Just a little bit of something. So, all right. Well, at this point now, producer Corey, how are you doing? I threw my back out. How? All right. I didn't throw it out. I slept wrong. Oh. <laughs> Real that old, huh? I'll start right at the top. I recommend a high-quality pillow. Um, (laughs) The piece of shit I was using clearly has put me out for like three days now. Um, I'm on muscle relaxers, full nine, trying to stretch as much as possible. 
I fucking hate it. Get a nice pillow. Number two, tax season is upon us. Get your shit in order. Number three, burn your Brussels sprouts. It's way better. Oh, yeah, like crisp them? Do you air fry them? Burn them. Do you air fry them? I could, actually. It's amazing move. Absolutely yeah, I had a roast going, move. so I just threw it in underneath at the bottom shelf. It's like, that'll be fine. What kind, of, what kind of roast? It was like a pork loin, but it was stuffed with shit. I don't know. It was okay. The Brussels sprouts <laughs> were the best part of the meal. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Um, Get a all pillow, right, so do your taxes, burn your Brussels sprouts. Those are three like very like adult uh, adult recommendations. Um, Doug, when you wake what, up with neck you... pain, you have to make those kinds of recommendations. <laughs> Doug, what do you what do you got for us on the recommendation front? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't have much time for podcasts personally, just because I am looking at stats no offense all taken. day, every day. No, I listen to you guys. I told Joe I listen. <laughs> I listen to you guys. I can't plug the podcast I'm on. Um, I mean, look, I listen to I listen to the old man in the three. I love JJ Reddick. I love Zach Lowe stuff. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, just, I'm not, I'm not that guy to like be start throwing out some crazy podcast that no one's ever heard of. Um, you have I any mean, good soups lately? I'm not a soup guy, really. I'm not a soup guy. Oh I'm man. Joe I is love, the leader I of the soup, love guys. soup dude. I know I've heard. I'm sorry. It's unbelievable. You think like he's just constantly squirting out of his ass. <laughs> like, do you eat that much solid food, Joe? Uh, is it just kimchi and soup? I had a I had a salad today uh, for dinner. Oh wow, um, look at that! Real yeah, solid was, meal. Stick to your ribs. It was, it was it was a Caesar salad with rotisserie chicken in it. I had some croutons. Um, mm. I've been loving these little like Asian sesame sticks, but like I've talked about those before, so I can't get can't get too in too in the weeds there. Um, I I was gonna say you know like I so there's no soups from Doug, but there might be. I don't know. Like, are you watching something? I, I like you gotta have there's gotta be one thing that you like, even if it's like what else do you do, Doug? What else do I do? <laughs> I don't I mean, look, man, I'm like I'm I'm <laughs> job, I'm you know, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good dad. I don't really got too much. Um what's your that's favorite a good recommendation? Dinner? Be a good dad. What's your favorite yeah, dinner? Be a good, Boom. Be a good dad, that's a good dinner. one. You know yeah. what? Okay, you know what? So I mean what we just had what my wife just cooked up tonight, fantastic. Trader Joe's has this pre-marinated shawarma chicken. Delicious. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting like, to try that. Yeah. Oh, I'll second that. Oh, fantastic. It's fantastic. It's it tastes like it tastes like street meat, which if you don't live in New York, you probably are like, what the hell is street meat? But street meat is yeah. delicious. It's the meat, you know, the halal carts are all over the place. Uh, I personally love it. Um, but this is like, you know, uh, maybe a bit more clean, refined version of that. So um, I, I, I fuck, would go with I that. I fucking love it. I yeah, fucking love fantastic. it. Uh, this is why this is what makes us the experts here. We're the professionals. We ask the questions to get the recommendations. So we we <laughs> made it there. there. Um, <laughs> uh, my recommendation is going to be um, mounting like your TV. Like if you have a TV that you've thought about mounting on the wall, just do it. It's so much of a better viewing experience for just like anything. Um, I think that number one, like the perspective that you can get is a lot nicer. Um, so I've done that with my living room, but then I've got one in the man cave that's like directly behind the monitor here and I haven't mounted it yet. I'm, I'm waiting for the mount to come in the mail. Um, and if I had gotten the mount by now, the TV would be high enough that it would be over the monitor and I would have been able to see the Knicks absolutely kick ass and Josh Hart cash my 65 to one triple double bet. Um, so Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. So that would have, so that would have been what it was. So uh, mount your TVs, 
because then you're going to be able to like actually see the games. You can get better perspective. You can do a little bit more. Um, and I would recommend getting, depending on the room, I don't think it's always necessary to get the full motion one, but like in the man cave, like it's definitely better. Cause it's like, I got the little gym over here. I got the, 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 the desk studio and then I got the couch. So you got a little bit more perspective. If you get that, uh, if have you, you given any thought to a rolling cart, like a classroom? No, dude. <laughs> I can, we got I the, just me picturing you wheeling it around your basement. Very funny to me. On carpet, on carpet. Yeah. Like I got the fucking magic school bus. I had one teacher and just in. Throw a, throw a VHS player on there just for looks. <laughs> dude. Not even plugged in. In the most uh, in the most stolen valor thing ever, I went to I went to this high school that had junior ROTC, but it was mandatory. So like you had to do it. Uh, like there was no option. Like you just had to be in it. Um, there's a picture there of was- Joe dressed as a sailor, and there is a bounty that I'm willing to pay if you can get your hands on it. <laughs> it I, yeah, I was and cash. It, it was great. I was uh, it, it was I really just re- I also refused to cut my hair, so that was always this whole thing. Um, what a but- rebel. Yeah, so I remember explaining the math to the so that was the thing. So we had a naval science professor, and he was a commander in the navy. And he, I remember explaining the math to him. I was like, "Well, you keep giving me an excellent on my uniform every week instead of an outstanding. You're you said that an excellent is a ninety three compared to an outstanding is a ninety eight because an outstanding you can't even give a hundred because you said that I'll never give a hundred on a uniform because your uniform's never perfect. So I was like, "So you're really docking me five points, which is a portion of a ten percent portion of my." My grade and i was like this is just this is not worth it i'm not going to cut my hair um and then he didn't know what to say but the point of this was that there was a, they would always play like whenever they just didn't feel like teaching they would put fucking sean connery and the hunt for red october on no way. Th- on the tv i swear to god that was like the that's default. insane and we, and he would be like this is this is about boats it's about it boats. constantly the hunt for red october <laughs> yeah just all the time like, we, we would like snuck spend- the rock in or something yeah, like it, you, he'd probably be like now in retrospect, and he's pro- guy was probably just like hungover. He's like, "This fucking sucks." Like I'm teaching these kids. <laughs> like I ever thought I retired from this bullshit, and he's oh teaching God. kids, like you know, trying to collect a second pension. And he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna put up the hunt for Red October on." So if you Again. haven't watched that movie though, watch it. It's that's a re- another that's another recommendation for for the folks out there. Um, but Doug, before we go, uh, tell everybody where to find you. To like, I think everybody kind of already has an idea, but tell everybody where to find you, uh, where to find your work, um, and you know anything else that you want to add out there. Yeah, uh, you know you can find me on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Prop Bet Guy. Uh, you could also find me in the Action app. That's where all my plays go first. Same handle, Prop Bet Guy. Um, you know, contributing there with article plays two, three times a week. So. Um, yeah, I mean, all my, all my stuff's free. All my stuff's public. Follow me on both platforms. If you don't already would appreciate it, but that's all I got. Gotta be done. Um, so guys, make sure that you follow prop that guy, like, and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review. Uh, actually those are kind of helpful for us. Uh, so definitely give us a review. Um, and make sure to remember that this episode is once again, brought to you guys by our good friends at props.cash. You can get 25% off your first month with code Delara 25. Like I said, it's one of the most instrumental tools in my process for looking at hit rates, looking at, uh, the way the charts are looking at projections. You can actually see how the line has evolved or how the line has moved 
over a set of games over the course of the season because they have a chart that tracks where the prop line is actually closed at. So I think that that's always an interesting tool because you can kind of see just how like, oh, like, is this low compared to where they were normally? Or like, was this is this high compared to where it normally was? And, you know, kind of couldn't be able to track that to tell not only the hit rate, but also how they're projecting it relative to the rest of the game so far this season. Uh, and you can get that for 25% off your first month with code Delara 25. So thank you, producer Corey. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you coming on. And let's continue to cash that.